There we go. Welcome, everybody. We're here, part two of uh, the rules and grammar of Lashana Kodesh with our wonderful teacher, Mr. Um, Zadel Tawil. Um, as you all saw from last week, this foundational topic had a fantastic start, very contextualized, understanding the history, the development of the topic, and digging into uh, some important sources of just how important it is to pronounce correctly. Um, as, as we've seen in some of the discussion groups, uh, the shul really did uh, trigger a lot of interesting discussions, and long may that continue. Uh, we are back for part two. Mr. again, very, very sorry for it being so late for you. I know it's 10.30 p.m. on a Sunday in Israel, but we are so glad to have you, and we're very excited for part two. The stage is yours. Okay. Thank you. Hi, everyone. I'm really excited to be here. I, I get energized speaking about TikTok and rules and grammar. I want to tell you about a custom we used to have in my family when I was growing up. So first I'll say that I'm the oldest um, in my family. I have six siblings. And uh, Friday night dinner after dinner, I would go to my room. I would want to read a book, but I was never there alone because my siblings would always follow me and I would have everyone in my room talking to me. Now, one, uh, I love all my siblings, but something I loved especially, I might have mentioned last week, I don't remember. If so, I'm repeating it because that's how much I loved it is my little brother in second grade would come in my bed with me and we would read the parashat together and he would give me three grades, one for how well I pronounced the letters, two for the accuracy of my tamim, and three, an overall number. And I just thought it was so adorable that he's a little eight-year-old kid and I'm 20 plus and, and this is what we're doing together. And now he's in high school and I, I talk about it and he like laughs. He can't imagine that he even did such a thing. Now, that was something we did when I was older, but when I was younger, another great memory I have is after uh, dinner on Friday night and after dessert, we would all sit around in the living room and everyone would have a chumash and we would just read Pesukim and my father would correct us. And I, I don't know that we could get through a single Pesuk without being corrected. <laughs> um, eventually it stopped and we tried to revive it again and it just didn't work. But I think... One, other than it being a great idea because it helped our reading, the fact, and we were reading Parashat HaShavua, what, sta- what stays with me more than anything is the understanding I had from a, such a young age of how important it was, because that's what we did Friday nights, we read from the Chumash. So if any of you have young children at home or grandchildren that come over, I think it's a really fun custom to start. It's something that will stay with your children the rest of their lives. And I know it followed me to Israel. I mentioned last week how it's a challenge living here sometimes because Israeli pronunciation, uh, letters are being lost as time goes on. And we're going to discuss it a little bit this week and next week, how Israeli spoken language is very different than written language. And because I grew up and it was so important, I, I tell my husband, when we have children, girls or boys, they're going to know how to read perfectly. And he's all on board with me. But he's not as passionate as I am because he, he, he grew up where it was less emphasized. So I really think it's up to us um, to start that for our families. I'm going to share my screen with you and continue part two. Okay. And I well, want to start out by thanking my teacher, Mr. Norman Didia, who, who his help was extremely valuable. His guidance, materials, most of this is based on his writings. I'm going to answer a little bit later some of the questions from last week. He was the one that answered. I said, Norman, I have a whole list of questions for you. What do you think? And he sat and he answered each one. So I want to thank him for answering that. And now you guys will get the answers. 
So what are we going to study this week? Uh, I mentioned that I would sit with my brother and we would read and he would correct my pronunciation. Last week, we spoke about the letters. And once you know how to say the letters, then the next step is the tenuot, the vowels. So what are they? What is their role? And we're going to talk about some differences um, that exist. Two, how do we differentiate between shavaim, shavanach, and shavanach? This is critical, critical, critical for proper reading. And it's something that in modern Israel society is really lost. Not among everyone, but among the common spoken language. And the third topic is the topic of syllables or havarot. What are the importance? I, I never re- learned about syllables until I was taking Norman Didier's Dictu class when I was in my 20s. Now, you can read well without it, or at least I thought I read well, but we're going to, I was debating if I was going to include this or not. And then I decided that there's too much built off of understanding syllables that, that I want to at least mention it. So we know that it, it exists. Last week, we discussed Chachmeh Mesorah and their contribution and the development over time to what we have today. We saw a few sources and said, yes, it really does matter if you mispronounce a word. And we discussed each letter and how it's supposed to be pronounced. So time for answers to your questions from last week. The first, one of the questions I got was, is it true that the schools of Ben Ashed and Ben Aftali were Karaim, Karaites? So Norman's answer was, they were not. Um, one, he said there was a time where people thought that they might have been, and later on this was uh, discounted. He also said because Harambam used Keter Aram Tzava, which Haron Ben Ashed put in the Masoretic notes, it that's, gives very strong proof that they weren't Karaim, because why would Harambam use something that the Karaim, if it was Karaim school of thought? Two, um, this one, there's no def- definitive numerical answer how many differences in pronunciation. Even if we take Sephardim, we have Syrians, Iraqi, Ashkenazim, there's tons of different communities, tons of different accents, there's tons and tons and tons of different ways to pronounce letters. And I'm going to repeat what I said last week, that I think the importance is to pick one and be consistent. Because everyone has a different Masorot, and Tveria more than one developed, and who's to say that mine is right and yours is wrong? Be consistent with one and there's less differences uh, than we think. I think consistency to a sp- one masodid is very important. Another question was how accurate I think the Spanish Ein was. I wasn't so familiar with that. Um, what Norman answered is that Hebrew is a Semitic language. And it's in learning the pronunciation of Hebrew letters, it would make sense to go to other Semitic languages rather than uh, Spanish isn't a Semitic language, so to to use Spanish or Latin or English to get the sounds of Hebrew is probably less accurate. Also, the Bisi Adiagaon wrote that the Hebrew ayin is like the Arabic one. And the Arabic one, we could just go and listen. So, so that's in terms of how that sounds. This one I liked. Um, what we discussed it towards the end of the class. So what is the proper pronunciation of a bet without a dagesh of a vet? I introduced it as V. And I know there's the constant discussion with Rabbi Dweck. How do we transliterate it? What's the pronunciation? So Norman said, without a doubt and hesitation, that it is definitely not a lighter B. I know where I grew up in the Syrian community, uh, bet with a dagesh was B. Without the way people explain it, it's a lighter B. There's no way to really do lighter. You either make a B or you don't. To make that sound, to make a, 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 a B, you have to bring your teeth down to your lip and you you just 
you're making a B. <laughs> um, he said also that Avisa Adyaga on writes that the pronunciation of this letter does not exist in Arabic. And in Arabic, there's no V. So that leads a lot of proof. And he was writing in the 10th century that it is a V sound. And another proof um, is Beget Kefet, every letter has two sounds. And it's not a heavier sound and a lighter sound. It's a different sound. Now, there, there are many more proofs that he was willing to send me. So if anyone is interested in this topic further, um, you can write to me in the chat and I'm happy to share more information. And the last question I wanted to address from last week was, are there any differences regarding the Petuchot and Setumot between Ben Asher and Ben Aftali? And there are about 900 differences between Ben Asher and Ben Aftali. And that one of them has to do with parashat, petuchot, and setumot. It's more with the count of the words. When is there a makaf? When is there not? So those are the questions from last week. I did as I promised, and I looked them up. I looked them up in an easy way. You just ask someone, but that is, um, those are the answers. I want to speak now about the tenuot, because that's the next step after we pronounce the letters. And if you notice in red, I have the shodesh highlighted. Tenu'ot, the word na' means to, to move. Like when Hashem tells Kain, na' vanad tiya ba'aret. So you're going to be moving, you're going to be wandering, traveling, and the vowels help the words move. So we have um, Radak who put the tenu'ot into two categories, tenu'ot gedalot and tenu'ot ketanot. Now, the fact that we're used to today them being very similar sounding, they're not exactly the same because if they were exactly the same, why would they be two? Some of the, the differences were lost among the years. And I know certain communities, uh, we're going to go over each one of them that emphasize differences more than others. So we do the best that we can with what we have. So if we start on uh, the Tenuot Gedolot and Ketanot, so each one of the Tenuot Gedolot has a parallel and knowing what, what the tenuot are and what category they're in is really key to the next step of reading a word with a sheva in it. If you don't know if it's a tenuot gedolah ketana, it's going to be very hard to pronounce the sheva properly. Although even with this said, I will say there are a lot of tricks that people use to go around it. I ask people that read really well, do you know the names of the tenuot? No. Do you know the names of the shivaim? No. Well, then how do you read? I don't know. I just figure it out. And there are also a lot of um, books today which are printed with uh, ways to help us know it, even if we don't know the rules. But of course, the best way is always to know the rules. So the first, going down the list, you have kamats, which is an a sound, sere, e, chirik male, i, and male because it has the yod, cholam male and cholam chased, both are tenuot gedolot, shuruk, we see depicted. Then on the tenuot ketanot side, patach, and if you look at Kamat Katan, it looks exactly the same as a, a regular Kamat. The way to know the difference today, although ironically today in Humashim, when they want to emphasize the Kamat Katan, they'll actually make the Kamat Katan bigger and bolder. Um, but the way to really know the difference is knowing the rules because they, they, look, they look the same. Now, I know there are Ashkenazi communities that differentiate between Sere and Segol. Sere is more of an A sound, and Segol is an E. Uh, but even among Ashkenazi communities, it's not consistent. 
as far as I learned growing up, there was not such a difference with Kamatz and Patach. I'm not so perfect at it, but those that read from the Torah consistently do differentiate more. I want to just uh, focus on the Kamatz Katan would be shorter. Now, a good rule of thumb is all the Tinuot Ketanot are shorter sounding. And if we learn to shorten our Tinuot, then when we have the Geshim in the word, they'll naturally be put in. And I'm going to give an example in the next slide. I want to just zone in on one, which if for us who speak English, I'm assuming everyone here speaks English, to differentiate between Chirik Mala and Chirik Chaser is very easy if you speak English. If you don't, it's very hard. So I'm going to give an example. And to give the example, I want to ask a question. If it really matters, if you mix up the Tenuot, like who cares? It matters, in short. So I want to bring an example of a Pasuk. And I'm going to read it the way a person would, t- I don't know what typical is, but I'm going, to, I'm going to read it as I'd say an Israeli would read you or someone who's not differentiating so much between the ten of they'll pick up the Chumash and read. This is from Bemidbar Perekeh. Zot Torah Takenaot Asher Isha Tachat Isha So that's a typical way to read a Pasuk. Now, I want to highlight two words. If we look at the word Isha and Isha, now, if I just read the pasuk, isha, isha for both, it completely changes the meaning of the pasuk. And when a Baal Kore reads from the Torah, if he's going to read a word that certain things you, you are, you're corrected on, certain things you're not, you definitely will be corrected if you change the meaning of a word. And here, I want to just uh, illustrate the differences between the two. So we have the first example is a chirik chased. There's no yod, so it's chased. And the way it's pronounced is like the word if. I said if we speak English, it's very helpful. The word if is with a short I. And if I think now of Israeli speaking English, I used to help kids uh, learn how to read English. And something I try to teach very strongly is you must shorten your letters. It's not fish, it's fish. It's not if, it's if. And because Israelis typically don't differentiate between chirik chaser and chirik mala, it's hard for them in English to shorten their letters and all their eyes end up sounding like is. So in the example we see above, the correct way to read it is isha. Now, if I'm going to shorten it, automatically I'm going to get a dagesh chazak in the shin, which we see here. So the proper way to read it, isha, is a woman. Now, speaking Hebrew, people say isha. Okay, you're speaking, understand from context. In the Torah, Isha. And the second one we see with the Yod, Isha. We're going to, the Mapik hopefully we'll speak about next week. If not, it's a topic to delve into. And what's the difference? One is a woman, one is her husband. Isha versus Ish Shela. Now, if someone does not differentiate, does not shorten their Chidik, you completely lost that. So here's one example of how it really is important to differentiate and shorten. Ever since, um, preparing for this class and giving it, I was telling Sina earlier that my level of attention to the way I read, the way other people read has been heightened tremendously. When I went to shul, I was listening to the chazan and I was very impressed that he, he was really great with the shavayim and his pronunciation. And then something I noticed that he didn't do is he did not shorten any of his chiriks. Everything was malah. I said, okay, Israeli, but we, uh, we have the ability to do it, and I think it's an easy one. You speak English, think of the word if, make it shorter. 
So this is an example of how it's important. Now I'm just going to give you a list with a few words in Khirik Chassad that I'm going to read to just show how to shorten it a bit and how Dagesh is naturally put. So I picked Parashat Azino. We have that coming up. So it wouldn't be Tizal because that would be Mala. Tizal, Tizal Kapal Amrati, Dor Akesh Uftato, Lemispad Bene Israel. And notice I didn't say mispar, I shortened it. And amo el nechar. Amo, automatically you get a dagesh when you shortened it. So that's how you get your dagashim in. That's on Khariq Chasel. The next thing I want to talk about, the next topic is, and I, I see there might be some questions in the chat. I'm going to check it at the end. I want to talk about shevaim. The first thing with shevaim is it's called Shevaim, not Shvaim, because that's a, it's ironic if you're going to call it Shvaim because you're already pronouncing the word wrong. I want to quote from Radak. Radak says, Da ki ha-sheva Sheva is not considered a vowel. If we go back to our, well, it's really going back to our chart, we don't have a Sheva in here. But when we read from the Torah, we read in the Sidur, there's tons of shavaim. Important to know it's not a vowel and keep that in mind when we talk about syllables later. Let's go back to the slide where we are. So Radak says, know that a shiva is not a, considered a vowel, but it aids the rest of the vowels. And we're going to see how. There's three kinds of shavaim. Usually people are familiar with to, which is okay because they're the main ones. Shiva na, shiva na, shiva merachef. Shiva merachef is a sheva nach that we read as nach and a sheva nach that we read as nach, depending on the situation. And uh, an understanding of Hebrew, nach, like we saw before in the word tenuot, is moving. It helps move the word. And nach, from resting, when we talk about the pronunciation, you'll see why each name is appropriate. Something else I uh, discovered in immersing myself completely in the rules of Dikduk and Hashanah Kodesh is the more Hebrew you know and understand, the easier it is for you, especially next week when we speak about Kamatz Katan. That I, I know is often a fear of people. How do you know if it's a Kamatz Katan? And one of the huge ways to know is through context. And how do you understand the context if you speak Hebrew? So it's all involved in one, learn how to read properly, always in Rishi Hebrew. It, one, one field helps the next and builds up the next. So I want to quote now from the Shulchan Aruch. We quoted this last week, but not from inside. And this is actually his language. He's, the, the broader context is Kiriat Shema. And he says, So in the first part, he's talking about when the Degeshim, when you have a letter, don't put a Degesh in a letter that's not there. Don't make a letter weak that should be stronger and vice versa. And the second half, he's talking about Shevaim. If it's a sheva nach, nad is referring to nach, don't make it a sheva nach. If it's a sheva nach, don't make it a sheva nach. And I was especially aware of this this past Shabbat. I was in shul and the the little the little kids in Israel, maybe you have it where you're from too, they have something called tefillat yadadim. And the teacher asked, who knows what chumash we're in? And they all said dvarim. And I'm listening, I'm like, but it's not dvarim, it's devarim. But okay. <laughs> Knowing Dick Duke, it's both a blessing and a curse. A blessing because your world is so much more enriched. I'm not going to use curse, but it could make it difficult because then your ear is so attentive to, to all these things. 
So what are the rules of Shivana? How do we know when a Shiva Shivana? So the first rule is, is Shiva Berosh Mila, in the beginning of a word. And when I used to teach this in school, and I'm, I'll share the same tricks with you, and for this, you need a bit of understanding of Hebrew and ability to speak it. The, if you go by the letters of the alphabet, it kind of, kind of gives it a trick because we said the first rule is a Shiva in the beginning of a word. Aleph is the first letter. So you remember beginning of the word, just like Aleph is the beginning of the alphabet. That's the first rule. Some examples, Yeladim, Rephael, Vehach, Shevaim. So I said you can't call it Shevaim because it goes against the first rule. And so I just want to move the box. This one also is um, a lot of times not pronounced correctly. Shemot, the second book of Torah is Sefer Shemot, not Sefer Shmot. And here is a huge one, the next example. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. It's not Shema. It's not Kriyat Shema. It's Shema. So very, very important. And especially since uh, in Shulchan Anuk, we're talking about the rules of Shema, we should say the first word correctly. So that's a very, very important one that, that people mispronounce. So those are just some examples. Easy enough. Beginning of the word. Now, the question was raised last week about when you speak Hebrew versus you read. Am I going to say when I go to a store, uh, I need to say Gelida? They're going to laugh. They don't, it's not, they're going to say Glida. No one says Gelida for there's certain words that uh, there's no, there's no, the Glida is not in the Tanakh. So you get off on that one. But it, it, it's constantly this battle between when am I going to say a word incorrectly and spoken modern Hebrew and I know I'm incorrect versus no, it's Sefer Shemot, it's not Shemot. So I, I don't really have an ironclad answer. I guess everyone does what's comfortable for them. But I'd say if it's Pesukim from the Tanakh, at least for me, I, I want it pronounced correctly even when I speak. The second rule is when you have two Shiva'im in a row, the second Shiva is a Shiva Na. Some examples. We have here, speaking about Rivka, Vayimle'u yameha laledet tomim So you see two shiva'im. The, sec- the first one is nach, the second one is nach. And this one is a logical rule because it can't really be any other right. You can't say them both as nach because that, you just can't pronounce the word. Maybe they both could be nach, but that's also a little bit hard. First one nach, second one nach, Vayimle'u. Another example. Uvnei Yisrael paru vayishresu. Second sheva, sheva na. Vayiven aren miskenot. Sheva na, two shevaim in the middle of the word. And vatispenehu shelosha yirachim. Second sheva, sheva na. And we have a practice from the first rule. Yirachim, sheva berosh mila. Is sheva na. And how do you remember this rule? So we're on bet. Bet is two. The second sheva in the middle of a word is shevana. Third rule also has a trick. And now this one is gets a little bit trickier. I remember learning growing up in school, and I think they were right. To, I, I was appreciative <laughs> that I learned it this way because I, I remember learning very, maybe in second grade, I started learning the rules of sheva in my third grade. And and the, the Duke rule, there are so many of them that it, it's good to introduce a little at a time, but then at the same point, you don't want to teach people to read incorrectly because then it's hard to get the mistakes out. 
But this, the, the way I learned it was Sheva Haba Acharet Gedola. A Sheva that comes after Tenua Gedola is Sheva Na. Now, if you just stop there, if I put my period over here, then it'll work in 90% of the cases. But then there's all kinds of exceptions. Now, there's less exceptions if you have the second part of the rule. The second part is a Sheva that comes after Tenua Gedola. If it's after Tenua Gedola, that's not Mut'am. It's not emphasized. What does that mean? We're going to see examples and you'll understand. Now, if we have this rule and know it like this, then a lot of words that, that we would just say, oh, it's an exception, exception, exception. It's not an exception. This is the rule. So what do I mean? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give examples. First off, we have a pasuk. We have, and here is where you need to know if a tenu'az gedola ketana. Because if you don't, then there's no way to know this. So you have after the yod, a cholam chased. If we think back to the chart, cholam malach, cholam chased, tenu'a gedola. Sheva, after tenu'a gedola. Yose'e, not yotse, yose'e. Next, et ko avodatam asher avedu bahem befarech. Avedu, if we have it after tenu'a gedola, which is kamat. And this one is, is probably no one, especially if this is your name. So there's Israelis that have this name and they call them Gershom. So they call them that, but that's not the proper way to read in Tanakh. The proper way is Gereshon. Now, here is a huge pronunciation class that I clash that I want to share with you if it didn't come up to you already as I was reading it. And this is part of the reason why I mentioned last week that I didn't really, really know how to read properly until I was 20 years old. Because I always learned the rules. I learned the Shavayim rules, second grade, third grade, and I knew them perfectly. But I didn't know that you're supposed to use them when you read for the following reason. The list of words that you see over here, if you are speaking Hebrew, if you're reading a modern Hebrew book, you're going to say, Halcha, Shamra, Holchot, Yoshvim. No, you're not going to say, He halacha lachanut, He Shamra, Anachnu Holchot, Hem Yoshvim. People don't speak like that. And I grew up, I, I got a wonderful education growing up. I went to Mang and David Yeshiva in Brooklyn and we learned how to speak Hebrew and I spoke fluent Hebrew and that's how I spoke. So why would I think when I'm reading a book, it's different. And I would open a Hebrew book, not Tanakh, it's a Hebrew book. And I'm reading, and then I get to Mr. Norman Didier's class and he goes, what do you mean? What do you mean? But that's not how they say it when you speak. Well, everyone's wrong. And then he points to the rules of Shavayim. And I said, you mean you're actually supposed to apply them when you read? I thought it was just this knowledge you keep in your head and you don't actually use it. Now, this is what makes it super difficult. I think this rule specifically, because there is no way people in Israel when they speak Hebrew and also I really say this with a lot of respect because it's very important to, to, to speak Hebrew it helps you understand Tanakh I think that's the number of reasons to know Hebrew and th- this is how the language developed 
So once I learned that you're supposed to apply the rules, I just keep it really, really separate. When I'm reading from the Tanakh, Halacha Shamera, Holachot Yoshevim, when I'm speaking, Halacha Shamera, Holachot Yoshevim. And it is possible to explain this to kids and have them keep both in mind. I think I mentioned in last week, but I'm just so proud of my brother. I always bring up my brothers. My brother in fourth grade, I gave him a, a book to read, not Tanakh, a regular Hebrew book. And when he was reading, he read Halcha, Shamra, but he knew that when you read from the Torah, you read it differently. So I think that that's maybe the answer to this, to just keep both ways in your head. I want to also uh, point out something that will help us know. These words, that we, I said earlier that a, a regular kamat and a kamat katan, they look the same. Now, let's pick the second word, for example. We have shamera. It can also be read shomra. And in the Edot HaMizrach version in Amidan, Barech Alenu, we have shomra v'hasila shana zo mikodavara, etc., etc. And it's written the same way, but it's shomra and not shamera. How do you know the difference? So we're going to talk about the rules of Kamat Katan in depth much more next week. But just something I want to point out <laughs> that we have this in front of us is if you notice right before the Sheva, after the Tenuang and all the words, we have a line. The line um, is called a Meteg, Gaya, Ma'arich. A few names for it if you've heard any one of them. And you, usually if there is a Meteg, it means that the Sheva after is a Sheva Na. And if you have the word Shamera and there's no Meteg over there, it's going to be Shomra. And that's just a very easy way to know. And when you're looking at, now I'm not going to say it works for every single one of the cases because it doesn't always work. It works for most of them. And when you're reading Tanakh or Tehillim, and I use this all the time for myself to differentiate if I have a, a metig, I say it's a kamat, shiva na. And if there's not, then I start thinking, well, if there's no metig, then it might be a kamat katan. And then there's other things that I put into play to check, to know what kamat is, what tense are we speaking in, past, future, those are also important things to keep in mind as well. Now, I mentioned that the third rule, if you just know a sheva, a sh- <laughs> if you just know that a sheva that comes after tinu'a gedola is sheva na, that's only half the rule. Because I want to give you examples over here from Megillat Rut. It's Shovna, not Shovena, or Shovna Benotai Lechna, Kizakantim Hyot Leish. Lechna, not Lechena. But wait a minute, based on the rule we just learned, a Tinua, a Sheva after Tinua Gedola, let's check that. We have a Sheva over here, a Tinua Gedola, Cholam Chaser. It should be a Sheva, not, it should be Shovena. Let's check the second word. We have a sheva. After a sere, it should be lechena. Why is it shovna? Why is it lechna? And now this is where the second part comes into play. It's if come if you have a tenuagidola mut emet, and you see here the ta'am, we have a shofar holach and a zakef katon. The ta'am is on the where the sheva would be on the beginning of the word, then the rule. Well, this is the rule. Then it's not a sh- uh, tenu'a, then it's not a shivana, it's a shivana. We're going to give it a few more examples. 
of when you have uh, a word where it's mut'am. Now, how do you know if a word's mut'am or not? So we're going to discuss that when we talk about syllables. If you know how to break up a word into syllables, it could help you know where to emphasize the word. But the, by far the easiest way is if you know ta'amim. And that, well, I feel like all these lessons and all these discussions just build up to the ultimate of learning ta'amim. I'm so grateful that I learned it. And next week I'm going to share why I learned it and how, because it's not typical for women to know it. Men know it. They read from the Torah. Why should a woman know it? And if you know Ta'amim, you just open up the Tanakh, you see where the Ta'am is, it makes it so much easier. So that is, uh, if anyone does not know it, I highly encourage you to learn Ta'amim. So because in these two words, it's Mut'amet, then it's a Shavanach. Okay. <laughs> How are you all doing? I, I, I get so excited speaking about this. I just love speaking about grammar. You know what joy this brings me. I just wanted to share that as I'm, I'm going along. The next rule, so for continuing Aleph Bet Gimel Dalit, Dalit de Degusha. A Shiva under a letter that has a Degesh, Shiva Na. Some examples. Hava Nitchakema lo. We see Kaf has a Degesh. It's not Nitchakma, Nitchakema. Next word, this one um, is, this specific word is very hard for people to pronounce. I was at a Shabbat table once. And I, I, I don't know that I put this person up to the test because it'd be kind of mean to just put someone on the spot and say, hey, do you know how to read this word? But I was with uh, my husband's family and we were all talking about reading and, and we said, oh, there's a pasuk where people always read the word wrong. And we had one person in the, in the room read it and she read it wrong. And we had another one read it and she read it wrong too. So I picked this example on purpose. It's not hatspina, it's not hatspina. We see that there's a dagesh in a sadding. So it's important to be aware of when it's dageshim or not. Another example. This one also is a hard word for people to say because they think, but that's not how it is. We need to look at the nikud. So the rules of, of Shiva'im help us read it properly. And another example, I remember in third grade, I was teaching Sefer Shemot in Barqa Yeshiva, where Rabbi Dweck was the principal. And he walked into my lesson as I was teaching about the Sineh HaBo'ed. And I kept calling it a Sneh, because that's how I learned it growing up. And he, he very um, nicely, he passes by, he goes, it's sene, not sne. <laughs> because, and you know, he's right. First of all, why is it sene? Shiva Mila. And then if you're going to say hasne, it's not hasne because it's dagesh. Hasne. And it just made me realize how many things from childhood I had in my head that I never really went afterwards and looked. The sne bo'ed. Who says sene? But that is the proper way to say it. Hasne bo'ed ba'esh. So I, I still remember that to, to this day being corrected on that. So Dagesh in the letter, Shavana. And we are coming to the final rule of Shavana. What does that mean? We have a word over here. So when you have a word with Two letters that are the same. We hear, we see here a vet and a vet. 
and you have a Sheva under the first letter, it's a Sheva. Now, it's Rivevot. Another example, this we know from Tefillah, Yehallelu. Why isn't it Yehallelu? One, that's a little bit hard to say. <laughs> so you see, these rules are natural. You don't even have to work so hard. Yehallelu, we have two similar letters. And when you have a Sheva under the first of two similar, it's a Sheva Na. I think this is the, the hardest word, rule to remember as, of all of them. But if we're going through the Aleph Bet tricks, so we're up to head. If you remember the word Hallelujah, then you're, you're good and you'll remember how it works. This has two rules which apply. We have after Sheva, uh, after Tinu Agedola, and two Otiotomot, two, two of the same letter, the Sheva is under the first letter. Two of the same letters, Shiva is under the first letter. Okay. Summary. <laughs> Let's summarize the rules. And um, I don't know for how many of you this is brand new, the first time hearing it, how many people it's review. I love reviewing it for myself. It helps me remember it. I like looking at the examples. Now, this I think one of the purposes even of these classes, they're very dense and a lot packed in. It's to give you principles. And from here, you, you fly and, and delve deeper into it. When I, I taught this in school, when I was a teacher, we would spend the whole lesson on one rule and examples and practicing. And now we're doing all the rules and we still have Shavanach coming up. So it, it, it's a lot, but you can always refer back to this and, and go over it again. So to review, we said Shavanach, we started Aleph, a Shiva in the beginning of a word, like the word Rafael. Second one, you have two Shiva'im in a row. The second Shiva, Bet. The second, Miskenot. Miskenot, that's a short in Mechirik. Then we have a Shiva after Tinu'a Gedola, Samecha. Shiva under a letter with a Dagesh, Hasefino. And Shiva under the first of two identical letters, Yehalelo. Okay, <laughs> that's Shavanach. Shavanach is less rules. And once you know Shav, technically, you really only need to know one half because if it's not Shavanach, then it's Nach. But it's also helpful to know the rules of Nach, so you could be extra sure. The first rule, they're easier. One Shava or two Shavaim at the end of a word is a Shavanach. For example, we have here. And don't be thrown off by the Dagesh over here. The, the, that's when we do the rules of Dageshim. I'll explain why. Two Shavaim, the end of the word, they're both Nachim. We have here one Shavat, the end of the word. And again, the, the, this rule overrides the Dagesh rule. So if it's at the end of the word, Nach. Vayichad. Another word here, we're going back to Megillat Rut. So, Avich, Emech, Moladtech, Yadat, all words that are Shivanach, because it's at the end of the word. Second rule is what we learned already, just the emphasis on the first half. We have two Shivaim in the middle of a word, the first one is Nach. So Bayim Leo, we saw these examples already. Baishreso, Miskenot, Batispeneho. First one nach, second one is not. This we're already familiar with. 
And this one, this is if all the other rules don't apply. Always when checking, you check first, not, and then if it's not, not. I remember in school writing, when we had to write reasons, I would write, it's enough because it's not enough. But the, the more detailed reason, if a Shiva is, does not apply to any of these not of rules, and it's not the end of the word, it's most probably Esther Tenu'ah Ketana. So we have here, and this is again why you need to know if a tenuah is gedalar ketana. Segol is a tenuah ketana. Patach is a tenuah ketana. Chilik chaser is a tenuah ketana. All those shavaim are nachim. And now this rule we saw already when we were speaking about shavana. So if we have a word where the Shiva after Tinu'a Gedola is Mut'am, then it's a Shiva Nach. So Shovna, Lechna, and here very famous Pasuk that, that I, I don't know if we ever think of the Nikud and, and how it shouldn't really be read this way, but it is because of this rule. Lo Shem Why is it Lashav? It should be Lashave. We have Kamatz, it's not a kamatz katan. We have a shiva after it. We learn shiva after tenu'ah gedola. But look at the ta'am. There's a ta'am right under the shin. So it's mut'am, makes it shiva nach lashav. So these are examples. Another one. This, um, I think Ashkenazim do it differently. I, I don't, I'm not going to make this as a rule that this is how Ashkenazim do it because in Every community, there's differences among Sevaradim, there's differences among Ashkenazim, there's differences, but this is one of the rules of Shavaim when you have a Shava after a Shuruk at the beginning of the word. For example, we have in Shema, Ve'ahavta et Adonai Elohecha bechol levavecha uvchol nafshecha uvchol me'odecha. It's not uvechol, it's uvchol. We have a Shuruk, the Shava after a Shuruk is Sheva Nach. Now, really, really, it's, it's called a Sheva Merachef. And I, when I was mentioning Shevaim, I said there's three types, Sheva Nach, Nach, and Merachef. Merachef is when really it's a Nach, and it's read as a Nach. Or really it's a Nach, and read as a Nach. For, in terms of our purposes, if you call it Sheva Nach, that works for the reading, but the real technical way is Sheva Merachef. Also from Shema, Vishinantam Levanecha, Vidibata Bam, Bishop Techa, Bevetecha, Uvlech Techa Baderech, Uv Shoch Becha, Uv Gumecha. What more proof do you need than that? We say this all the time. It's Uvlech Techa, not Uvelech Techa. Uk Shartam, Uch Tavtam, Sheva Nach, a Sheva after Shuruk, at the beginning of the word, is Nach or Melachach. To summarize the Sheva Nach rules, one Shiva or two Shiva'im at the end of the word. We had Vayesht, Vayichad. The first Shiva from two Shiva'im in a row. Vayim Le'u. Shiva that comes after Tinu'ah Ketana. Shiva after Tinu'ah Gedola Mut'emet. We saw Shovna Lechna. And the last one is a Shiva that comes after Shuruk at the beginning of a word. <laughs> we're almost done the topics for tonight I'm laughing at myself from doing it because I said I don't know my brain's a little bit going like that but we're almost done and you're doing great so a Sheva Merachef which I mentioned is a Sheva Nach that we pronounce as a Nach or a Sheva Nach 
that we pronounce as a na. Now, these sheva menachef, it influences certain rules of dikduk. So here, I'm going to give an example. We said it's called the sheva menachef. The reason why you read it uvchol and not uvechol is because really it's as if instead of a shuruk, we have an aleph for the kubutz. If we had an aleph for the kubutz, it would be a tinua ketana. And then, of course, you'd read it as a shivana. So this, uh, I'm not going to go more into detail than that. I just, my purpose of shiva menachet is I want you to know that it exists. Know it's something that exists. It influences some rules. And it's when you read the shiva opposite of what it's supposed to be. Good example, as we see here, uvchol, not uvechol. Okay. I also want to give uh, another example on the other way. Sometimes we have words in the Tanakh that have degeshim uh, or different shavaim or chatafim for the beauty of the word or because it's a song. Now, anytime the shava is not true to the rule, it's a shava menachef. So if we, let's say, look here, it should really be mikdash, but it's mikkedash. We have an az yashir. Why is it mikkedash? Because we have a dagesh. Why is there a dagesh? The tiferet hamila for the beauty of the word. Next word um, is this I'm going to talk about in depth. This is a very important one. It's pronounced uzehav, not uzahav, not uzhav. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. I know always in shul there's like panic around this one because people don't know what to do about it. Bekashetotam usheve. So sometimes the the rules aren't exactly because it's for the beauty of the word and or a poetic reason. Now, chatafim appear instead of a shivana under an otgeronit. You cannot have a shivana under an ayin, under a chet, under a he, under an aleph. So in that case, if you need to do that, you'll put something called a chataf. The first example we see chataf patach, chataf segol, chataf kamatz. Chataf patach is a, chataf segol is e, chataf kamatz is o. And chataf also so now you start seeing why havarot are important because in my definition, havarot is a syllable. I'm mentioning a syllable. So I'm having a syllable in my definition. We need to learn syllables. So sometimes we have, instead of a shivanach, the word ya'amin, chatach patach, tachanach chatach patach, e'amod chatach patach. And also keep in mind that chatafim and shivaim, they're not considered vowels. They're not in the vowel chart. And this is important for syllables. Now, I want to talk about this word over here that's underlined because I said it causes panic in shua. Now, how could we read this word? So you look at it. Usually, chatach patach, I mentioned you read ah, so it should be u zahav. However, it's under a zayin. Why would you have a chatach patach under a zayin? It's not an otgeronit. It's not an aleph hechet or ayin. The reason why there is a chatach patach in this case under the zayin is because chachamem esorah, do not want us to swallow the word. What does that mean? If it was a, if we didn't have the chatav patach and it was just a shiva, we would read it as a shiva nach, shiva menachef. We already explained that well. And you would say uzhav. Now, what could happen if you're reading fast? You might end up reading it uzhav and then you lose the hay and you say uzhav and not even uzhav and it's a completely different word. So to stop that, what did the chachamim say? We'll put a chatav patach under it and then the proper reading is u zehav, which how else are they going to connote that? Because if they're going to put a shiva, we're going to read it as a shiva nach. 
and this is um, the rule. There are the other examples in Tanakh where you have a chatach patach under a letter that's not geronit after a shuruk in the beginning of the word. When you have that, it's read as a shivah na. So it's uzehav, not uzhav, not uzahav. And I was very curious to see what all the different chumashim and tanachim did. So, uh, or how they recommended to pronounce it. So I looked it up and they're not consistent. Some of them have it like this with a chataf patach. Some just have it with shiva. And I always am very curious when I go to synagogue to see how the Baal Kodai is going to read it. So I learned this with Norman Didia, who's my teacher, my expert. And he says, you read this word, uzihav, and chataf patach is there. So the letter is not swallowed. So that's just a, a fun fact I wanted to point out about reading. Now we're going to do a little bit of practice to see how much we absorbed. I, uh, you, you can answer to yourself and I'll answer out loud because I know it's, I'm not hearing the responses, but I'll just say them. So the first word we have, usmechim, shiva after shuruk in the beginning of the word, is shiva nach, more properly shiva merachef. Tadbu, we quickly go through our mind all the rules of shiva nach, None of them apply. So it's a shiva after tinoa ketana. Nach. Revevot. Two letters that are the same. A shiva under the first one. Shiva na. Tedabbero. First one. Shiva in the beginning of the word. Shiva na. The second one. A shiva under an ot. A letter that has a dagesh. Shiva na. Next word. Tedabberna. How come we're not saying tedabberna? You have a shiva after tenuah gedola because it's mutam tedaberna. So the shiva nach vayishp two shiva at the end of the word berachacha. This one you have. This one's a little bit harder because the letter changed, but you have a chaf and a chaf, two letters that are the same. Shiva under the first one. Shiva nach berachacha yishkevun. First one is nach. Second one is nach. Yeseu, Sheva after a Tinuangidolan, which is a Sere, is a Shivana. Okay. So we discussed what are the Tinuad and what is their role. We discussed how we differentiate between Shivaim. Now I actually think um, <laughs> I'm making the choice that I'm not going to do the third topic right now. <laughs> because I think Shivaim was a lot. Syllables is not so big. We'll open with that next class. So I just want to. I'm going to go through the slides because I want to go to the conclusion slide and then I'm going to take questions. So I just want to skip that. This is what we're going to start with next week. Okay. So <laughs> we opened up this class and we spoke, I spoke about a minhag that my family has where we would read Friday night from the Chumash and my dad would correct us, which really made an impact and also helped my reading. Then we mentioned the tenuot. The role of the tenuot is to have the word move. There's tenuot gedalot and tenuot katanot. And it's crucial to know what belongs in what category if you want to know shiva'im. And it's crucial to know shiva'im if you want to how to read properly. And it's crucial to know that because Shukhan Ruch says you need to know and you can't mess them up. Then we discussed, uh, we zoned in on one of the tenuot and Echirik Chased and said that that's, Chirik Chased is shorter. 
All the Tinuot Ketanot are shorter, although today some of them are lost. This one is not lost, so we should emphasize it. And if you emphasize it, automatically you get a Dagesh in the following word, which is great. You don't even have to try. Then we spoke about the rules of Shevanach, how we know if it's Nach, Shevanach, how do we know if it's Nach, the huge pronunciation clash, which caused me not to know how to read properly for 20 years, because I said, what do you mean? But that's not how you speak. Then we spoke about Sheva Menachef, Chatafim, syllables we didn't speak about, Mel'ala Mel'ala, we didn't speak about, we're going to speak next week. Now I want to end with some practical tips, because it's a lot of rules, and I mentioned earlier that there are people that read really well without knowing all of these rules. Best, best thing is really to learn the rules because then you <laughs> just know more and you know what to do. But um, something that I also recommend, and I'd say even though I know the rules, I still use these tips for myself. I have this humash. It looks like this. It's called And there are others like it. And why do I like this humash? Because if we look at it, we have the shiva'im na'im that are emphasized. Let's look at this word here, the ekbera. The Sheva over here is bigger, and the Sheva over here is bigger and black, darker, because it's a Sheva now. And this is the way the Chumash is telling you, hey, it's a Sheva now. Now let's go up a little bit over here. Vayakom, the second Kamas is a Kamas Katan. Funny that they made a big one, it's a Kamas Katan. Um, and this Chumash also emphasizes Kamas Katan. So if I didn't know any of the rules, and even if I know them, I just want to double check. If I have a chumash like this, it helps me read properly. And I, I think this is something I would want to give to my children to just help them out with the rules in the beginning or even in the continuation. So if you are interested in learning shiva'im and you want to help yourself, I recommend getting a chumash where it's emphasized. Another book that I discovered recently is also emphasized, but not as big and bold, but it's still there. Koren came out with these soft cover tanachim. They're the latest edition. And if you open these soft cover Tanachim, they also emphasize uh, tenu, uh, Kamas Katan and Shevaim. If we look at these words, so you see the Kamats under the Ayin and under the Shin are bigger because they're Kamas Katan. And if we look for example, so the Shevaim are harder to see here. I don't even, oh, a little bit here. Hashelishi. Hashelishi, thank you. So it's a little bit bigger, so that also could help you. So that that's why if you, I'm not even going to call it cheating. It's not cheating. It's using all the resources available to you. Um, I, I also recommend that. Now, I when especially when we discuss Kamat Katan, I will say that you still need to know the rules because even the Quran has mistakes. There is different, or I'll, I'll say it really depends on your Masoret. I was reading Tehillim the other day and I read it a certain way based on how I know the rules of Dugar. And then I saw in the Koran that it had the opposite. And I said, how could that be? It's the Koran. It has to be right. And then I ran to the computer, emailed Norman Tidia, asked them about it. And the conclusion that I had is the Koran, you know, they, they put tons of research into the books. They don't just randomly print things. They really, really do it well. They were following a certain Masoret. It just wasn't mine. So you always have to be careful and look, but it's mostly, mostly accurate. Thank you so much for joining. I know it was long and, and a, a lot. So thank you all for being here. Thank I love you. About this. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I mean, it, 
I, I kind of want to go to my school, my primary school, which is my elementary school that I've gone to and have a big go at the teachers and tell them why the heck did they not teach me this stuff? Um, it's, it's very, very, uh, at, at the same time, as depressed as I am that I don't know the basics. Uh, I'm so excited that I'm, I'm able to learn it with you and the, the Havarim here. So thank you so much for that. Really looking forward to part three next week. Um, I think it's, I mean, we've, we've taken over the, we're almost an hour in now. So we've got one minute. Well, we can, I'm not going to answer any questions. I, I'll just I can, uh, look at I that. send you the thread? Yeah, I'll send you the thread like last time. Perfect. <laughs> okay. That sounds great. Uh, thank you so much. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you all for making it. Uh, I hope everybody has a very meaningful fast. Uh, and we shall catch you, please, God, uh, well, on Tuesday with Rabbi Dweck, just before Yom Kippur, giving a shiur on, uh, on Yom Kippur. And then, please, God, uh, next week we're back with part three. Thank you, everybody. All right. Have a good night. Good night.